All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the health care summit in Ottawa, Canada's premiers meeting with the Prime Minister on the health care deal. Yep. And so we saw that yesterday. And there is a framework deal, right? We got a 10-year deal here, but you got you got to drill down on these numbers here, right? Yeah, so I drilled it. down on them for BC's perspective on the news hour last night. So uh, there's a lot of big numbers attached to this, and the Fed's kind of played everyone by stretching it out to t- over 10 years. Considering how much money is spent in healthcare every year, you start doing over 10 years, the numbers are going to be huge. And so they get these big headlines, $200 billion to the promises. Well, yeah. not quite. So the, the, the Fed's already contributed to the healthcare system, and the argument has been for years is that their share of the healthcare spending had to increase. That's what the premiers were pushing for. They fund about 22% of the system. So the system right now is enormously expensive, $25.5 billion a year in, 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 BC. in BC alone, right. more than $300 billion across the country. So the feds do contribute you know, roughly a fifth, a little more than a fifth of that. So we're talking you know, in BC, a fifth of 25.5 is like $5 billion. Uh, that's already on the table. So, But the feds basically included that number yeah. along with some new funding to come up with this $200 billion figure. When you drill down to it, it's $46 billion over 10 years in new money over and on top of what was already on the table. <clears throat> and for BC, it means about $6 billion over 10 years. That's about $600 million a year. So $600 million is about 2.5% or whatever of $25.5 billion is what we spend this year on healthcare. Next year, it's going to be over $26 billion. It's going up about $800 million a year because our population is increasing. The utilization of the healthcare system is increasing. The population is aging. So costs keep going up and up and up. So it's, I mean, Doug Ford likened it yesterday. Is it a glass half full or a glass half empty? He, labeled, he, he characterized this as a down payment yeah. on future uh, discussions and payments. So it's, it's not no money. It's just nowhere near as much of what the provinces were looking for. But I don't think at the end of the day, the premiers were going to get anywhere near what they wanted. They wanted $28 billion today added into the base. And I just don't think that was ever realistic. Right. So when you break it down, I think it's really good that you broke it down here to this on to that level, because you're, when you take a look at how much money BC can expect out of this, I mean, we're talking about what? I mean, you and I were just talking off air of how much this, this healthcare system runs costs to run in this province. We're looking at maybe a week and a half worth of new money to fund the system, keep the system running yeah, for another week that, and a that, half. To be fair to the feds, that's on top of the money they already contribute. Yeah. But to give you an example how much you know different things cost, uh, I think that the the, uh, the third year of the doctor's deal, I think, is going to cost $700 million. Yeah. So that's right there. That's the feds. That, 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 that uses that, it up right there. Yeah, so healthcare is enormously expensive. So the numbers are always going to be really big yeah. when you talk about increases or decreases. But um, the... I talked to one senior health official in BC yesterday who said that the best news about this is that it actually stops the decrease in federal funding of health care, which was slated to go down over the coming years without a deal in place. So the deal is not a deal yet. They're going to have another meeting uh, amongst the premiers themselves. They haven't got another meeting set with Trudeau. Yeah. Presumably that's going to happen at some point. But what the, the feds also dangled in front of the provinces was sort of an immediate um, uh, deal to have, in BC's case, about $270 million to help uh, the situation in pediatric centers and emergency wards. Yeah. And that's a problem right across the country. Every province is experiencing problems in those two critical areas of healthcare. 
and the feds are promising, promising immediate relief in this deal. Okay, let's listen to Premier David Eby at this meeting in Ottawa yesterday, his reaction to this. This proposal is fiscally limited, but I think that uh, it provides a foundation and some reassurance to British Columbians that we're having those conversations and we're moving forward. I'm looking forward to future conversations with my colleagues across the table and also with the Prime Minister. Okay, not exactly a full-throated endorsement of it. No, but, but it was interesting to hear all the premiers at the news conference. Nobody was really setting their hair on fire. Um, it was, I think they all realized behind closed doors, okay, we better have a united front where we're not condemning Trudeau or the federal government. We're just saying it's a good first start. Yeah. And that seemed to be the, the common phrase for me. It's a good opening. You know, it was the expectation that the pot's going to get sweetened a bit. It's not going to get to $28 billion a year. There's just no prospect of that. But uh, it's uh, it's whether it's a good start or not, it does represent a shift in the federal government's position on funding. There's always this little diplomacy that goes on here between the feds and the provinces. Oh, yeah. I mean, Danielle Smith, I guess she got her shot in with the, with the wet mitten handshake oh, there. Man. She did with Awkward. Trudeau. Did you see that Awkward. Handshake? Wet mitten is right. <laughs> Oh, my God. You could feel the temperature dropping in the room there. She she did not want to shake Trudeau's hand no. there. No. What, what like was a, the deal with that? Do you think it was she just didn't want a picture of her? She didn't want a photo op of her shaking Trudeau's hand or something? She, it must have been because I'll tell you, it was the weirdest handshake I've ever seen where her hand yeah. just was, as, as you say, limp. Sort of it, dish rag, it was and like then, she, she and sort of pulled she, it away and a she little. dropped her hand down yeah. to her knee, practically almost yanked Trudeau's arm down to the floor. Yeah, so it, was it was this sort bizarre. of almost this unsaid thing that she wanted to make it clear she's not... She doesn't, you know, not comfortable with this or I don't know what she was trying to do. But, you know, <laughs> if, if you like Danielle Smith, I, I, you know, I was reading some of the reactions. Some people saying, well, this was a kind of a petty little thing. And others saying like, no, that's good. They, she should stick it to Trudeau because of all the stuff he's doing to Alberta. So, or they think he's doing to Alberta. I mean, Alberta feeds on this narrative. Well, I mean, he's hurt, not they, their, policies, their, their policies are hurting Alberta's economy, are they not? Oh, perhaps some, but Trudeau bought a pipeline. Yeah, that helps Alberta. <laughs> I mean, if if he was against Alberta so much, he wouldn't be building the Trans Mountain pipeline. Yeah, uh, I thought that carries was... Alberta's product to Tidewater. That was interesting. Another thing is, she said, I listened carefully to what she said. And she mentioned BC yesterday at one point when she was talking about uh, LNG exports, and she said, if we are, and we talked about this earlier in the show, if Alberta is going to sell liquefied natural gas to a country like China, and they use that gas instead of coal. Alberta should get, like, a climate credit for that. We should get an emissions credit. Mm -hmm. And she said British Columbia should get one, too. And you know, that's when you start getting to this argument that actually natural gas is good for the planet, and, yeah, and we should is, get a, a credit for it. Which has been an argument that's been there forever. Yeah. I mean, that was an argument that Christy Clark, the day she announced the LNG stuff in 2013 or 2012, yeah. that was the argument, is yeah. that natural gas, natural gas displaces coal, right. which is a much worse emitter yeah. than natural gas and therefore there should be some sort of credit on that that's yeah. really not gone anywhere on the credit front it yeah. is you know that argument continues to be made though yeah yeah okay let's talk about the uh state of the union address oh, by wow. u.s president joe biden talking about the, something else also speaking about the temperature in the room going down frosty so it used to be every time you'd watch a state of the union address in the past it would be kind of a bipartisan sort of yeah not anymore um, respectful that was I guess. the most raucous partisanship display you've ever seen in the State of the Union yeah. address. I mean, you had the Republican, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican congresswoman, who's out there uh, yelling liar. 
Yeah, oh yeah, on she the wasn't the only one calling no, him a there liar. No, there was a, a rump of them, certainly not, but Biden, Biden played them masterfully, I thought, where he just said, you know, oh, so you're, you're in well, let's play favor a, of Medicare? Let's play a bit of this, because this is what really set the Republicans off here when he said there were some Republicans want to cancel Medicare and Social Security in the United States. Let's have a listen to this. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Oh, they got I'm really not, mad. I'm not saying all of you are in favor. Yeah. I have it is some of you. So, yeah, he, he um, I mean, he. They, they took the bait, I think, the Republicans. And they're getting skewered in a lot of the media today in the States. And Biden's getting... Uh, rave reviews, people say it's the best speech he ever gave, master, you know, in control. Um, Biden's, uh, I think, continues to need a bit of a boost, and I think he got one. What about the old days when, you know, you'd have, like, Ronald Reagan would go sit down with the Democratic House leader and just work out a, yeah. work out a deal? I mean, that doesn't seem... Po- possible anymore in America. The fracture began, remember, under the emergence of the Tea Party, yeah. when things really started to go south. But even then, there was still some bipartisanship. There was still, you know, even Newt Gingrich, who was, you know, famously tried to uh, take the government down in terms of paralyzing it by the debt ceiling and everything. There was still some bipartisanship that occurred then. Even Nancy Pelosi, just up until about five years ago, was able to uh, have some you know, crossing over the aisle in conversation, but these two sides now appear to be. Yeah, I mean, this kind of uh, booing and calling him a liar is something we hadn't seen. We've only seen really recently. So here's a here's one of the guys who was booing here. So this is a, a New York representative in Congress. His name is Nick Laloda. He's a Republican, and here he is asked about why he was heckling Biden during the speech. Have a listen. Did you do any heckling? I did. I, I was upset when the president lied about his statement on Social Security and Medicare. What did and you I say? And I was vocal about that. I booed the president during that time. I come from New York. We call it the Bronx cheer. When we see something that we don't like and certainly something that somebody was lying to us in our own house, we're going to give some feedback then. Yeah, we're going to give it to him. We're going to give him the Bronx cheer. <laughs> the Bronx cheer, yeah. So, but again, these two sides, they don't speak to each other. They hate each other. Uh, there's no discourse uh, now in the States. It's, it's just two solitudes and it's getting worse. Let's listen to Selena Robinson here um, making this announcement about her uh, another cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. yesterday in the House. So the, uh, the B.C. cabinet minister here in this moment in the legislature yesterday. Have a listen to this. It's heartbreaking. I'm fine. I'm back on my chemotherapy um, and um, disappointed. Hard to tell my dad and my children that their mother has cancer again. Some people might want us start talking about what my future looks like here in this place. I am not going anywhere. So, th- so there, there's an example of some bipartisan coming together there to support, support oh, yeah, someone. Sure. She's I mean, a tough person. Uh, yeah, I talked to Selena last night. Um, yeah, no, she's, she's feisty and scrappy. Yeah, she mean, is. So she's been fighting this cancer for 15 years. Yeah. It's a rare form of gastrointestinal cancer. Uh, Geist is its, its name. Uh, she had been her oncologist a year and a half ago. Says it looks like you're cancer free. Mm. So that's a year and a half ago. She went for a test on January 27th, and they detected the cancer had come back. Uh, but she says she's not going anywhere. She's going to take her medication. She's continuing to do the job. She's not planning <clears throat> a leave of absence or anything. She is asking people to um, uh, contribute to her ride for tour de cure, 
which is the BC Cancer Foundation uh, bicycle event, mm. which I think is in August. So you can go to their website and you go to her website and you can actually, she's asking, and she's using this opportunity to ask for people for donations uh, to the BC Cancer Foundation right. through the Tour de Cure. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Ray in Kamloops. Hi, Ray, go ahead. Hey, I was uh, calling in about Danielle Smith and her uh, comments that the LNG was going to lower world emissions. And yeah. on a whole, that's, that's going to work. But with the way COP and everything counts emissions, they stick with the producer. So BC gets saddled with the emissions of our LNG used elsewhere. It's the same reason that England is big on using our pellets for power production right now. They don't have to yeah. them towards mm-hmm. their emissions. This yeah. is easier easier said than done. It gets very complicated. And it's an old argument that doesn't yeah. seem to go anywhere when it comes to the emission rules. Um, so Smith's raised it again, but a little late in, in the in the game. And then you'll get an argument about whether it do- actually does lower global emissions. You know, I'm well, gonna... you know, we've talked about this before. BC's uh, the EB government's facing an interesting situation. If LNG Canada decides to make a final investment decision to go to the second phase of its project. It's already done the first phase. Yeah. That's going, it's got approval for the second phase. Yes. But they've acknowledged to do the second phase, initially at least, it's going to have to be fueled by natural gas. Yes. And not, which is more emissions. So yes. it could make it impossible for BC to meet its emission targets. Not that many people believe they were going to meet it anyways, because no one's <laughs> meeting their targets. But uh, if they make that final investment decision, it puts an interesting decision in front of the EB government whether yeah, they allow it or not. That's for sure. Malcolm in Vancouver. Hi, Malcolm. Go ahead. Uh, years ago, I used to uh, tease with some friends that we should come up with a Golden Crib Award for politicians that act like little children. Daniel Smith and uh, Justin Trudeau get a five-minute timeout. You can't build a crib big enough for the U.S. Congress for the way they acted as children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trudeau and Smith should have just come up shook hands it's a photo op you don't have to love you don't have to kiss just get it over with with some dignity and respect and then get on to the hard knocks of uh, negotiations go yeah, well, through the ward to those two well Thanks. trudeau is very unpopular in alberta oh, yeah. and daniel smith's coming up to an election campaign and yeah. trudeau is a useful foil to her yeah. to be seen as not being a friend or ally of trudeau but you and i were talking in the break mike about Post-election, if she's still premier, it's in her interest to have a better relationship sure. with Trudeau and the federal government. Because the federal government can do a lot of uh, good for you. Sure. Mike in Vernon. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Hey, I got an idea. How about we just drop these silly photo ops and just get down to business? Um, you know, looking at... Thank, Keith, thanks for breaking down the numbers on that money on the monies that Trudeau has, has promised. And yeah, I didn't think it was much. But, you know... If he really wants to make an impact, I think that it would be a good idea to take a look at the Canada Health Act and to allow discussion. Let's open that discussion up and look at some different models. There's already a lot of money in the system, but the question is, how can we make better use of that money? What about private? What about private care? Should they allow some of that? You know what? I have no problem with publicly funded or publicly paid private delivered health care an example we already do it we already do it in a number of things already right and the reason that i like it is because like a oh let's use an analogy of automotive you know shops that specialize in brakes and mufflers well that's pretty much all they do 
and they do it well. Well, you have a show thank, off thank you, thank you, Mike. Hate to cut, hate to cut you off out of time. Yeah. So one of the issues I'm, you know, expanding private care. There's only so many doctors and nurses, and one of the arguments is if you take too many people out of the public side to go work on the private side, yeah. you worsen public health care because you just don't have as many people working in it. Keith, thanks for coming Talk in. Tomorrow. All right, that's Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat. Thank you for your calls.